This is the Santita Jackson Show. It's on the 28th. Of course, we'll be giving you wall-to-wall coverage here on WCPT. And, of course, our my brothers and sisters to the north in Minneapolis, St. Paul. They'll be tuning in to W, uh, excuse me, AM 950 Radio. This is the Santita Jackson Show coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, as we've been looking up in the sky and looking at all of the, the balloons and the unidentified objects, what we have been missing um, is what's happening down here on the ground. In East Palestine, Ohio, a looming disaster of untold proportions is unfolding. And the people of Ohio, the people on the ground, the people you're not seeing it reported or being spoken to in corporate media are frightened to death. And if you listen to many scientists, given the toxins that are coming out of the train um, that have flowed into the streams, anecdotal evidence shows that people's pets and their animals have died. People have been getting sick. People have been breaking out and on and on and on. Um, This is a real issue that we're just beginning to touch upon. But we really, really, really need to know much, much, much more about it. And so we're going to be talking about what actually happened on the ground there with Senator, former Ohio State Senator uh, Nina Turner. Yes, that's right. From the Young Turks, she's got her show. We're going to be talking about that a bit, too. And attorney Robert Petillo, attorney C.K. Hoffler, attorney Mark Fancher is going to join us at the top of the hour to talk about who um, who should be sued, if anyone should be sued at all. What do you think about that? We're all prey to... Uh, to these environmental disasters, particularly as it relates to trains. There were more than 140 cars on that train. 1.9 miles long was that train. Yeah. So think about that, everybody. And then we're going to be talking with Aldermanic, excuse me, mayoral candidate, Alderman Rod Sawyer. And you know, his father was Eugene Sawyer, one of our mayors. He was the mayor immediately after Harold Washington and did such great work, never really got credit for it, never got credit for all the work that he did in their ward, the sixth ward, which is where Alderman Sawyer uh, is today. They And I can't wait to hear from him because we're going to be interviewing Every candidate I can get, they're lining up as we speak so that we can hear what they have to say and what they plan to do, not just for Chicago, but what they could do that could help urban America, because certainly we do need an agenda that could help urban America. And, of course, we have got Dr. Shanina Knight and Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, so let's get to some of these headlines so that we can get to the rest of the show. In Chicago, well, we got snow overnight, everybody. 27 degrees, partly cloudy. It's going to be a cold, chilly day. I can already feel it. But, you know, it's it's all right, everybody. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 30 degrees. It will be sunny. It is NBA All-Star Weekend. Yes, and you will see my father sitting on the sidelines. He loves that. He loves it. He loves these sporting events. Who you got, the East or the West? I don't know. It's going to be a great game. There's lots of games going on around 
the NBA All-Star Weekend. And so it's out in Utah. It's going to be fantastic. But last night, the Bucks were triumphant over the Bulls, 112 to 100. The Wizards... They got the best of the Timberwolves, 114 to 106 in the NHL. Tonight we're going to have an active night. The Chicago and Minnesota teams will be playing. Chicago will be playing the Senators, and the Stars will be playing the Wild. We are still finding survivors in Turkey in particular. We're not hearing a lot about Syria. Isn't that interesting? Indeed, the lion's share of the international aid has gone to Turkey. I hope we're not forgetting about Syria, everybody. All right, everybody, more than uh, many, 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 many days, more than 200 hours after this earthquake, we're still finding survivors. Thank God for that. President Joe Biden yesterday said his administration still doesn't know exactly what the mysterious objects over North American airspace were. But there's no indication, according to this CNN report, that they were tied to China's spy balloon program or, quote, surveillance vehicles, close quote, from other countries. Indeed, there was a report on CNN early this morning about young kids. You know, they have these science experiments where they are able to employ balloons that go way up into the atmosphere. So perhaps that's it. We don't know, but we will see. And maybe the government doesn't know. We don't know, but... So far, according to the president, we are safe. At least three more people have been pulled alive from the rubble of a devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria, everybody. Ten days after struck parts of Turkey and Syria. 17-year-old was rescued 248 hours after this earthquake struck, and more and more people keep being found. But sadly, 44,000 people have died in the region following this powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake. State and federal officials held a news conference Thursday in East Palestine, Ohio, as residents expressed frustration about the response to a train 1.9 miles long, everybody, more than 140 cars, carrying potentially deadly materials that derailed in their town nearly two weeks ago. Michael S. Regan, the head of the EPA, aimed to reassure residents that authorities are focused on keeping them safe while many residents say we don't trust the government. What do you say? We're going to be talking about that today on the Santita Jackson Show. Those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Let us get to Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. She has got a fantastic book. I See You, Sis. This is about the great women of the Bible. Of course, their roles have always been underplayed, but when you read this book, it will give you a whole new look at this great, great holy text. Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Bridgehampton, New York, Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, how you doing today? I'm doing well today. How are you? Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful hearing your voice. It is wonderful hearing yours as well. It's always a joy to be with you all on Friday mornings. I look forward to it. And today... You know, we are just behind. We're just finishing up Valentine's Day. And it's always interesting to me when we come to this place, because just a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, we started walking through card stores. We started walking through drugstores and everything was heart and love and candy and chocolate and flowers. (laughs) And all of a sudden, within the matter of a blink of an eye, everything is now replaced by the Easter Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you wonder, was it worth it? For those of those who haven't had Valentine's, for those who maybe found themselves sitting at home on those days, it can also make you melancholy and make you feel like, am I really worth it? Am I worth the heart? 
Am I worth the candy? Am I worth the roses? And I want to encourage somebody today to let you know that your self-worth is not determined by anybody but you. According to what we call the self-worth theory, self-worth is determined mostly by our self-evaluated ability and our performance in one or more activities that we deem valuable. However, people use other yardsticks to measure their self-worth. The yardsticks of other people, what people say about you, what people think about you. And it all makes sense because every one of us has our own journey in life. Some of us have been beat up. Some of us have been bruised. We've been scattered. We've been hurt. We've been broken. And when you go through things like that in your life, you come to realize or come to believe that you're not worth much. But I want you to know that you're worth everything. You are worth it. You're worth every accolade. You're worth every commendation. You're worth having a really, really great life. But nobody can determine that but you. I'm reminded of a story that I read about an old penny. Pennies are something that we now discard. There's even a penny shortage because we don't value them very much. But I heard a story about a man who found an old penny that was beat up. It was dirty. It was covered with muck. It looked like it had been burned. And he could barely make out the image on the coin. The date was 1934. How did this penny become so beat up? How many pockets had this penny occupied? How many homes had it stayed in? How many people had called this penny their own? How many events had this penny survived? How many wars? How many governments? How many social trends? How many revolutions and booms and busts had it experienced? Kind of sounds like us, right? Mm. Fascinated by this penny. The man cleaned it and wiped off all the years of grind, then polished the penny and it began to shine brightly. The penny's image was clear now. And the penny said to the man, why? Why spend all this time, effort, and attention on me? I'm just a beat-up old penny, not worth much. To which the man responded, because you're worth it to me. I want somebody to know today that for all the wars you sustained, all the transitions, all the governments, all the homes you stayed in, all the pockets and places you found yourself in, God would have me to tell you today that you're not beyond repair, You're not beyond cleaning up. You're not beyond valuing. You're not beyond shining because you're worth it to God. And if anybody's wondering, I want to say to you too, and you're worth it to me. And that's the good news. Amen to that. I love that. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. You're worth it to me. You're worth it Mm -hmm. to me. And I guess we are all like old pennies. We, goodness gracious, (laughs) we we go from... Pocket to pocket, place to place. I don't even think we know just what this journey is until you look back on it. I mean, I think everybody should have the the blessing of writing their bio or or seeing their bio written, Pastor. Yes. Because it really helps you to see, wow, what a life it's been, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so, it's so interesting. So we're in the middle of this Love You 30-Day Challenge where we do something every day to show love to ourselves. And yesterday was all about journaling. And when you, the more you journal and the more you write, the more you begin to tell your story. So if there's anyone out there who journals or who writes, go back to some of your old journals. And it may just encourage you to see how far you have come. It is important to tell our stories. There's a West African proverb that says, until the lion tells the story, the hunter will always be the hero. So we ought not let anyone tell our stories. Oh, well, you know what, God, you know, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you for that. We need that today. We need that. 
because it really does make a difference when, um, hmm, well, you know, it's like the colonized and the colonizers. Who's telling How the story? About that? It changes. Who's telling the <laughs> story? Yes, it does. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, very quickly before we go, how can we worship with you on Sunday? You can worship with us on Sunday on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, First Baptist Church in Bridgehampton. We'd love to have you. Sending you so much love, sending you much, so Thank much you. love. We just love you, love you, love you, love you. Um, and God bless you. We're going to bring up Dr. Shanina Knighton. Uh, infection preventionist. We have a lot of questions for her today. She's out there in Ohio where they're having this emergency. We're going to be talking about that today because, you know, we have a lot of... Chicago is geographically, culturally, politically in the center of the United States, and all you have to do is really go west and see. Well, just go through the city and see how trains really... We're the crossroads. We're the crossroads of America. And so what's happened in East Palestine, Ohio, is of great import. It should be for everybody because more than a third of our goods are moved through the United States by the trains. And, um, and the people in East Palestine, Ohio, and those who are in these surrounding areas are understandably frightened. And they're understandably mistrustful um, of what officials, government officials, are telling them because we have not been told the truth many, 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 many times. So um, we're going to be talking about that today. Can anyone be sued? Um, and just what is leaking? And what can you do if you find out that you have a leak in your neighborhood? And that's why I'm going to talk to Dr. Knighton today. If you find yourself in the, in the midst of this kind of emergency, what do you do? Um, they're being told to drink bottled water. Uh, how does that in, impact your bathing? I mean, because you might think that, okay, I'm not using any water. But what about your ice, right? What about bathing? What about, what about? We use water all the time. Dr. Shanita Knighton, how are you doing today? Good morning, Santita. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Just a little concerned, though, more than a little concerned about what's happening in, um, in East Palestine, Ohio, and still what's happening in Flint and what's happening in Chicago, what's happening in Detroit, what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, we've got a lot of toxins that are leaking, spilling into our cities, our lakes, our tributaries. What concerns me immediately about East Palestine, Ohio, is that it's, it's you know, in the Great Lakes region. And all these lakes and tributaries and streams go into Lake, what, we, we got it by homes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. I mean, all these, these Great Lakes are connected to each other. So we're not disconnected from this disaster. Should you come upon this kind of disaster, as an infection preventionist, what would you immediately tell people to do? They've been told, okay, don't drink the water from the faucet. Uh, use the water from, use bottled water. Um, does that mean that you wash your hands with the bottled water too? I mean, does that mean you just don't use the water? I mean, what does it mean? Good morning, Santita. So I will tell you, um, in this particular instance, it's, unique in that we're talking about chemicals, right? 
And so we've all had situations where, let's say there might have been a water main break or, you know, something was going on with the water where there was an advisory and we found out it didn't get properly treated. So it was um, an advisory because of the color it was, you know, to run the water or to make sure you boil it before using it so you can get it high enough to a temperature where it could kill off a lot of dangerous bacteria before you um, consumed it, before you bathed in it, before you brushed your teeth, before you did any of that. I talk about this all the time because I say that things in our body through absorption, through ingestion, which means that we eat it, um, us being able to inhale it. Like there's a there's different ways for things to come in contact with our bodies, you know, just within itself. And so when we think about that, what does that mean? With this whole Palestine situation and them saying um, use bottled water, what's challenging is because I cannot imagine what would be happening for somebody boiling water knowing that it's also had issues, like knowing that, you know, they've had issues with, let's say, chemicals as a result of this explosion. So we don't know, like, if, let's say, boiling the water means that you're going to be inhaling um, the fumes even more as a result of boiling the water. And so if the advisory is to use bottled water at this time, then that does seem the safest way to be able to use water to make sure you are brushing your teeth, make sure that you are, you know, cleaning your hands and doing those actions because, it very well could mean if they're not saying boil the water that that may not be the safest thing right now because of the fumes that can take place um, as a result of inhaling it. And I know that I'm talking to the chemistry major here, um, St. Peter. <laughs> um, but you, you, so I know that let you, me say this. I don't have the credentials that you have. I'm just yeah, saying, you know what? let me give you what happened to me anecdotally. <laughs> I was told before I went to work in Hong Kong, Hong Kong has bacterium that are very, very, that are quite alien to those of us who live in the West. And so I was very careful, or so I thought. We were staying, I was working with Miss Flack, and, um, you know, when you know, it takes you a day to get over there almost. And so when I got there and it was muggy hot, I mean, this is like one of the most humid places on earth. When I finally got to the hotel, and we were in this fabulous hotel, and you had this, it was new. They had this huge jacuzzi in the room, so I filled it up with water. Yes, I did, and got in it. When I got back to the United States about a week later, I was so sick. And I said, I don't know, I didn't drink any of the water. I didn't, I only, I was taking a bath twice a day. <laughs> so, I thought I was avoiding everything and I'm immersing myself in it. <laughs> Dr. Knighton. Ain't that something? But like <laughs> to your point, that's exactly it. You know, um it's the safety all around. Like, you know, like we continue to talk about this all the time about your body being your temple. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, you know, whether it's an environmental disaster, because that's the thing, too. Infectionists do have a place in that process because we do not think about what kind of, let's say, waterborne illnesses, foodborne mm-hmm. illnesses, airborne illnesses. There are a lot of things that occur when natural disasters occur. So even, let's say, for example, when there were the hurricanes that were down in Texas, 
people may have survived a hurricane, but then they had to deal with uh, flesh-eating disease, you know, as a result of, like, having cuts and walking through waters that were unsanitary. And so I'm bringing all of those things up to say that, yes, there are a lot of different threats that occur when a natural disaster occurs, which is why it's always encouraged to have, like, let's say, some sort of lifeline toolkit together. So you may not have a year's supply of bottled water, but just making sure that you have a supply, even if it's just for a couple of days, to make sure that essentials are being taken care of in a way that they potentially can. Because you may be faced with a situation where you may not have running water. You may not have anywhere to be able to store your food, but it doesn't mean that you may, that you don't need to eat. And so sometimes people think that I'm not affected by a natural disaster, but a natural disaster could be down the road, and your power could be the one that's shut off because they're tending to someone else's um, that's in immediate danger. So just bringing that up to say, how do you think about ways in order for you to be able to prepare that way, should you be faced with a situation that none of these people anticipated, they didn't anticipate this at all, how do you then think through what does safety look like for me and then potentially do then I have resources to help someone else nearby? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just very, very concerned. And I think that it's, is it inconceivable that this, I mean, should we all be concerned about this? I mean, I think because, you know, I'm like, this is Great Lakes. You know, all these, the Great Lakes are all connected to each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, now these toxins are in the air. And I've just been reading different, you know, assessments from different research scientists who are who are highly regarded. They're highly credentialed. And they're like, look, this is really serious. And while we're looking up in the sky for balloons, and I mean, hey, I'm... I said, I'm all about Area 51 and the aliens and all of that, but we got a real problem right down here on Earth. And the people of East Palestine and the surrounding areas are frightened to death. And they've been told to go back into their homes. I wouldn't go back into my home. I'm just just keeping it 100 with you. I wouldn't do it. But if you're poor and working class, where can you go? Yeah. Well, I want you to look up um, Lake Erie's toxic green slime. And the fact that, like, literally, it's been a harmful algal bloom, you know, that's honestly, like, it's a health hazard in all 50 states. But Lake Erie is the worst. And so right now we've been having this leaking in there for years, okay? They've been doing stories on it for years. I know I've been saying something about it, but they've, like, continued, like, climate companies, or not climate companies, but organizations continue to talk about it because this is an imminent threat, right? And sometimes when you do not have, like, let's say, systems that can filter out those toxins, mm-hmm. it's still a threat. So the irony of it is, is that where I think we talk, focus on so much that divides us, we need to be focusing on the stuff that actually needs to bridge us together because of stuff that's impacting all of our health. Amen. Look, because guess what? Whether you like it or not, we are one people. We are connected to each other. We breathe the same air, drink the same water. Yes, we do. So coming up, let's talk about the people of East Palestine. Let's talk about Palestine, Ohio. Let's talk about what's happening there with, that's right, Nina Turner, our girl. <laughs> Dr. Knight, love you so much, everybody. Your handle is Hey Dr. Nina, H E Y D R N I N A. And uh, stay right there, Dr. Nina, so you can say hello to you, to our sister. That's right, the great 
Senator Nina Turner and attorneys Robert Pacillo and C.K. Hoffler. What's going on in Ohio? Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. CK, did you know this train? And Robert, do you know this train was 1.9 miles long? Stand by. Ridiculous. Okay. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Uh, That's right. It's Friday, February 17th, 2023. It is a joy to be with you this morning as we talk about what's happening, happening in East Palestine, Ohio. I think that the corporate media have been misleading us. Certainly, we want to make sure that our airspace is safe. We want to make sure that we're not under attack from, you know, uh, international I'm not going to say enemies, but certainly opponents. And and if there are uh, other life forms out there, and all indications are that there are, we want to make sure that we're not under attack. But we can't assume that they're coming to attack us either, right? You, you know, some people can be coming. Some beings could be coming in peace. Think of Dr. Spock, who couldn't understand war and our hostilities. It just didn't make sense to him. But now let's talk about what's happening right down here on Earth. You know, Dr. King, to paraphrase him, talked about being so caught up in, you know, getting to heaven, being so heavenly focused that you are no earthly good. We've got a real disaster. We have had a couple more train derailments, and a couple of these trains are carrying dangerous toxins. And we've got to talk about that. We've got to talk about a train that's 1.9 miles long, 140 plus cars. Why? They've gotten longer and longer and longer as they try to compete with the truckers. And they still will not give their workers paid work leave. So the people who have to clean this mess up, if they get sick, well, too bad, too sad. Because guess what? They still can't get paid sick leave. It's ridiculous. But before we get to that, our girl, Shapurl, is going to have a big event at the beginning of March. How you doing, Shapurl? Good morning, Santita. And yes, we are having our Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation Gala. That's going to be on March 3rd, and that's going to be at the JLM Community Center at 2622 West Jackson. And we're raising money for our college scholarship funds, and so we're asking everyone to come out and support this great gala. We are uh, asking everyone to purchase a ticket, and if you can't purchase a ticket, we're asking, if you can't attend, I'm sorry, please purchase a ticket for a family in need who would like to come and attend. And you can visit www.copelandmemorial.com, www.copelandmemorial.com, or give us a call at 708-628-7734. That's 708-628-7734. Please assist us in sending kids to college this year at the Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation. Thank you so much, Santita. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. 
please support that foundation. And there are so many churches and um, other organizations, Women of Achievement, I think of them, I think of the sororities and the, the Divine Nine and the fraternities who are seeking to send our kids to school. Please be supportive when, when people make these appeals to you. So let's get right to it. What happened um, in East Palestine, Ohio. Of course, we've got attorney C.K. Hoffler, one of the most esteemed lawyers in the country, if not the world, former president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association in the world. You see her on MSNBC. You see her on ABC analyzing uh, politics. And, of course, she's a legal analyst on Court TV and the chair of the board of Rainbow Push. And we've got another rainbow push, uh, er, <laughs> brilliant lawyer and radio host. They both host on WAOK. She is on Tuesdays from el- at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and he is from 1 to 4 every Sunday on, w- on WAOK. Uh, of course, none other than Attorney Robert Patillo. But we are so excited right now before we catch her running into a meeting to catch this woman who is just, who really gets it, keeps us all fired up. And you've got to see her show on the Young Turks Network, Unbossed, with Nina Turner. And, of course, she's a senior fellow at the Institute on Race, Power, and Political Economy at the New School up in New York. She's everywhere because we need her every place. The great state's former state senator, Nina Turner. Senator Turner, how you doing, my sister? Good morning, SJ. It's a pleasure to be here with you and my esteemed legal colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they wanted to get in on this. But, you know, of course, you are in Ohio. You have been a state elected official there. Um, You're held in such great esteem. I want to know, first of all, how what are you hearing out of East Palestine? And what, what are you hearing just in Ohio about this about this, what to me, it's a looming disaster, and it's not gotten the, the attention that it really, really needs. I mean, they told the people to go back home and, and just use the bottled water. I said, wait, 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 wait. You have a train that's 1.9 miles long, uh, Senator Turner. 1.9 miles long. They keep the trains keep getting longer and longer and longer. It was having problems before it pulled into East Palestine, and now we've got a disaster. I think. Talk to me. No, we, we do, and thank God you're covering it. Shows like mine are covering it, CYT Network is covering it, but mainstream media certainly has been slow to cover this, and I think it has everything to do with class. There is a almost non-existent class consciousness on mainstream media unless people like you or me or others are on those networks they just don't talk about. It. So now we talk about in East Palestine, poor white folks. So they poor. And so they will not get the attention that they deserve. What I'm hearing in Ohio and on the ground is that people are distraught and they feeling desperate because you tell them to go back home and they know good and well it's not safe, the air is not safe, the soil is not safe, the water is not safe, but they really don't have anywhere else to go because they don't have that type of money to be put up in a hotel, you know, 20, 30 miles away from where they live. And this is an epic failure on the behalf of the federal government in particular, because the federal government is charged with the Department of Transportation has the authority to put these railroad companies in check as they do the airline companies in check. And they have failed to do that. This is a failure of the Biden administration to 
and Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, who's pretending like he is powerless. He is not powerless, and it's good to see some lawmakers putting pressure on him. But he put out a, a thread on Twitter uh, just the other day saying that him and his department are powerless, that they cannot reinstate an Obama-enacted Trump-repeal law requiring some trains carrying that type of material that they were carrying in, in on that Ohio train derailment, that they can't do that, that they can't force these trains to replace the Civil War era breaking system. Did y'all hear me? Like we talked about the 18- Would you tell the, Would you say that one more time? Civil the War. Come, talk to me. Still using yes, they are still using a breaking system from the Civil War era. So we're talking about the 1860s. <laughs> and so because Trump changed it, right, Trump changed it, the mandate, and now you got the Biden administration acting like they can't change it. So why is it that Trump had so much power y'all got so little? It, it is ridiculous. And, and, and Buttigieg has been contradicted by the Transportation Department basically saying, no, there are some things that we can do. Listen, when you got that kind of power and people are suffering like that, there's always something that you can do. Well, let me ask you this. Would you go back to you, <laughs> to that house? No. I mean, no, I would do everything that I could, but people are in desperate financial situations because of the pandemic, because of the way the economy is working right now, inflation, or people can't afford eggs, but they can afford the chicken wings. You know, it is hard. It is hard out here for working poor people. And that's what you see with the 5,000 residents in East Palestine who people don't really care about. And, and the governor should be doing more, too. Now, I got on his back about, Governor, you should be on the president's desk. Like, I would be in D.C. Somebody coming to see me. The CEO of Norfolk will be coming to Columbus to see me if I were the governor because somebody's going to jail. You know, somebody going to jail over over poisoning my people. Now, recently, Governor Mike DeWine, who is a Republican, he did ask FEMA to step in. And FEMA had the pure, unadulterated goal to say that the state of Ohio don't qualify for FEMA funds. Now, if my residents that are being, have been poisoned don't qualify for FEMA funds, who does? Like, nobody would be getting rest if I was the governor of the great state of Ohio. Nobody. We're talking with former Ohio State Senator, yes, this state senator from the Young Turks. Of course, her show, Unbossed. When can we see Unbossed on the Young Turks Network? Unbossed Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 2 o'clock or uh, 2 o'clock on the, on, the, on the West Coast. Yes, please come and, and look up a sister. Go to Unbossed on YouTube. All you got to do is say Unbossed Nina. On YouTube, and you can see me. And if they miss me live, hey, they can uh, go to Unbossed YouTube, uh, Unbossed Nina on YouTube. How about that piece? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and and share it, everybody. You know, before I mean, before I you know spread some of this love, because you know these are some people who I you know me. I'm always looking to put folks on different shows. You gotta have uh, uh, the former uh, law partner, and she still works with. The great Willie Gary, Attorney Willie Gary, um, Attorney uh, C.K. Hoffler, this brilliant lawyer who has been with Reverend Jackson since he was a college student at Clark in Atlanta, Attorney Robert Patillo. I mean, I, I just, you have the EPA administrator walking through, and I don't doubt that he means well. But, you know, the corporations have taken over our government, and our government increasingly works for, speaks, speaks for, and for, for them. I'm just trying to figure out how you treat these people this way. 
Because these folks, they're saying, now I heard on MSNBC early this morning, and everybody, I listen to all the shows before I come on here, and sometimes I do interviews, because I want to hear how Fox, everybody, I want to hear how everyone, I go, I tune into Al Jazeera, I tune into everybody, so I can find out how stories are being reported. And the early morning show on MSNBC, just prior to uh, Morning Joe, uh, they... He, the anchor was a little cheeky about people who were trying to figure out what's happening in, happening in East Palestine, and he was calling them conspiracy theorists and all the conspiracy theories going on about this particular tragedy. I said, are you serious right now? You say this from the comfort of a hermetically sealed studio in New York. You don't have to deal with this. Yeah. You you if you have a disaster, you can you have some place to go. Working class people, poor people, middle class people, and even some upper middle class people do not have any place to go. It costs a whole lot of money to move. And if you don't have insurance, and your insurance, you know the fight you have with your insurance. I mean, so what are these? What's happening now? What what are they going to do? Well, it's, it's a callous indifference to the suffering of, of poor and working class people. That's what it is. It's on full display. And obviously, in some, depending on who's the leader, because who is in leadership positions, who holds the people power, it does matter. Obviously, under this Democratic administration, it doesn't matter because they are not acting with a sense of urgency like they babies' lives depend on it because it's the poor, poor white folks. Their, their kids depend on this government, both state and federal, to act expeditiously and they are not doing now. Not only are they not doing it, they not holding Norfolk Sutherland's feet to the fire. You know, these fools had the pure, unadulterated gall to skip a cow hall in East Palestine, talking about they were in fear. You know what? It, what fear is is fearing that you can't drink the water coming out of your tap. Fear is that the soil around your house and your neighbor's house is poison. Fear is can't breathe the air because it's poison. That's fear. But these mofos decided they weren't even going to show up. And guess what? There will be no repercussions and consequences if this Biden administration continues on this course. It should be totally unacceptable for government to fail people in this way. Unacceptable. You know, I just... So what is next? I mean, because you have been a state senator, um, you have been a city councilwoman. I mean, on the local level, I mean, and I know East Palestine doesn't have any money. I know they don't. On the state level, what can be done? I mean, and I think, you know what, I think they need to be loaded up onto some buses and they need need to sit in at the EPA in D.C. That's what they just need. Go go to their lunchroom. How about that? How about that? I mean, there are rainy day funds that could be utilized. There are grassroots groups that are out there uh, doing what they need to do to lift the people of East Palestine. Palestine excuse me. But that's not enough. See, that's where government comes in. Philanthropic efforts, beautiful. But that, those efforts, the federal government and the state government should be playing a central role in ameliorating this problem, bringing relief to these people. And they're not doing it. And one other thing before I go, SJ, then the Biden administration is the DOJ, the Department of Justice, is backing a Norfolk Sutherland yes. to block a lawsuit. Y'all hear me? Uh, you hear me? They're blocking a lawsuit right now as we speak. 
a rail worker filed a lawsuit. They contracted right. cancer. They filed in a lawsuit. It first started off in Pennsylvania because you can sue. It, it started in 2017, and it permits in that state a plaintiff to file a suit against any corporation registered to do business there. They filed this lawsuit it's all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Department of Justice is taking the side of Norfolk Sutherland. Y'all, these are wicked times. Well, you know, it's a corporatocracy, right? We keep talking about the democracy, but from the right and the left, from, you know, because, look, both parties are private companies that sell, that have cultural appeals. That's all it is. That's it. And if they rule in favor of Norfolk Sutherland, in this case, it will have a ripple effect for what is happening Mm -hmm. in East Palestine, Ohio, anywhere else. Because now corporations are going to be left off the hook for the damage that they have done. And y'all know what this damage is life and death damage. This ain't you just stepped on my toe damage. This is life and death damage to me and my babies and my baby's babies. This is this is what this is about. So what I'm saying to my sisters and brothers and family and friends, y'all can like these elected officials and get all giddy. Hell, if this was Trump, we'd be crying bloody murder as we should. You got Democrats who have power, who are not utilizing that power on behalf of pe- other people, and they need to be called out and liking them. The, the heck with liking them. Are they doing their job? I hold my toddlers at highest standards and expect more from them than we do from these elected officials that we make excuse for and allow them to say that they ain't got the power to move. They do have the power to move, and they should be moving on behalf of these people right here, right now. It's them today. It'll be us tomorrow. Amen. That's right. Ohio State Senator. Former Ohio State Senator, but you always keep that handle because you've served the people. Nina Turner, everybody, the Young Turks, how can we see you, hear you, and hear about this? Yeah, Young Turks, just go to YouTube, put in Unboss Nina, the Unboss, it'll pop right up. You don't have to remember any, any URL codes or anything like that. And on Twitter, you can find me at Nina Turner. But I want people, SJ, to be so fed up that they moved back. You know how them people in France, millions of them took to the streets mm-hmm. when Mark Cohn said he was going to raise the retirement age just by two years. <laughs> 62 to 64, they was like, oh, heck, no, you ain't, brother. No, oh, you, yeah. you you might try, but we in the streets. Okay, that is what we need the people of this country to do to stop being complicit in our own demise because we so giddy and hee-hee over the politicians that are in office who told us that Trump was the worst thing. All right, they got the power now. What are they doing with this service? The corporate is run both, both parties. And meanwhile, the 99% we language. Because, baby, if you ain't ultra-ultra wealthy and you ain't got a sugar daddy or a sugar mama or a sugar somebody, you are part of the working class. And some of us are blessed to be at the upper echelon for that. Some of us are in the middle. And some of us are at the very bottom. But we are together in this. That these policies and these systems are failing the overwhelming majority of the people in this country and all that we love is on the line and we need to comport ourselves in that way. If your hair is on fire, we need to act like our hair is on fire. I'm sending you so much love, SJ. Thank you for covering this. Uh, Can't wait. I'll be listening in to see what the experts on the legal side of the house have to say about this. But nothing but love. (laughs) Nothing but love. Nothing but love. love. Unbossed Nina, everybody, on YouTube, the Young Turks Television Network. That's what we want to support her show because we need her giving voice um, on the progressive side from this perspective. And we just thank God for you, Nina Turner. Uh, Let me pivot to you. 
I just love you, love you, love you. But you know, I'm going to pivot to uh, the former NBA president, National Bar Association president, the chair of Rainbow Push, and legal analyst on Court TV, C.K. Hoffler. I am just stunned. People, I mean, I have been reading news reports since the day after this happened. People, have, you know, they have chickens in their backyards. They have, they have dogs. Yeah. They have cats. They've been dying. And then you, you call these people conspiracy theorists. I'm like, are you serious right now? Yeah, that part. How, how dare you do that to people? And how can you tell them well, that, oh, just go have bottled water? CK. Well, you know, Santita, this is this is shameful. This is shameful. It's outrageous. But it's reminiscent of what the people of Flint went through. It's with the their water crisis. It's reminiscent of a lot of the Norfolk Southern um, and CSX Railway. They're the leading, you know, rail transportation supplier companies in this country. Mm-hmm. They have a great deal of power, and part of this is putting profits over people, because the people impacted in this instance are poor and don't have the political clout to be able to, as a group, or haven't yet galvanized it as a group, bring the type of litigation that's required, they're being overlooked in some respects. This story has has really not surfaced in a major way in mainstream media, period. It hasn't surfaced. It's surfaced by people, great um, journalists like you and, and people who have the ability to speak to speak the truth, speak truth to power, and who are talking about things that impact people throughout this country. But you don't see this. You see this in the early wee mornings on MSNBC. You barely see. There was a passing commentary on CNN. There have not been many stories on the local um, and local media about this. But this is a widespread problem. In fact, I had litigation involving, or we, we managed to settle the case, CSX, because CSN, poor white communities today, but the transportation, rail transportation problem is always an issue in black communities because there are trains that sit there that have toxins and that might sit there for days, for weeks, for months that won't be moved and kids play on these trains. And then all of a sudden the trains move and people get injured, they get killed, they get hurt. You don't hear anything about it because of the the people who are impacted by those types of cases. And if they're poor, if they're white and poor, if they're black and brown, you just don't hear about it that much through either corporate media or mainstream media. That's a travesty because when there is knowledge, when there is widespread knowledge of what's happening in those communities, then litigation ensues. Then there's more pressure put on the government or the governmental agencies. I'm uncertain right now why this is not deemed one of the top crises that we're experiencing in this country. Because it's an environmental crisis, it's a transportation crisis, it's a human crisis, it's a civil crisis, it's a civil rights crisis. And so why it's not getting the type of attention from the Biden administration is beyond me at this point. But I can tell you something that will get its attention, and that is litigation. While there is a recognition that Norfolk Southern always has a lot of litigation against it. This is not new to Norfolk Southern. They have a whole legal department, um, Santita, as you know, that is dedicated to defending these types of cases. Why they're but not? But the, but, but, the, but the Biden Department of Justice is backing Northern Southern 
they're big to block lawsuits. Right. You know, and see, this is where personalizing our politics is very dangerous. I mean, because I like President Biden, and personally, he is a great guy. That has nothing to do with this. You can't. It's just like if I get injured by some by some medicines, you know, particularly shots. I can't sue. That came under the Reagan administration, which corporatized, which really locked in the corporatization of our government. I mean, I've got about 30 seconds, literally, because before I have to go to break. What is the deal? Well, what the deal is, until even though there are immunity um, statutes and there's immunity provided for some corporations, that doesn't mean you can't sue. Look at the gun manufacturers. Gun manufacturers had immunity, widespread immunity, but there's litigation in California that may survive. So the best way to this, Santita, is litigation. It doesn't matter what the, what the Justice Department's position is right now. When they see the widespread mm-hmm. litigation, they will react differently. And you know what else will work? Demonstration. Litigation and demonstration. They, these people need to get on some buses or, or have some buses need to be sponsored for them. They need to go to D.C. and sit in on the mall and sit in at the EPA. They should not play. They should not take their feet off the gas. And I'm going to talk with you, Robert, about that, Robert Patella, when we get back on the other side. And, of course, Attorney Mark Fancher and the great Attorney C.K. Hoffler. What should happen? What if this were us? This train was 1.9, million, 1.9 miles long. Why? Why 140 plus cars? Are you serious? They keep getting longer and longer and longer because they're trying to compete with truckers. It's just greed. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. It's Friday, February 17th, 2023. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. The voice of progressive Minnesota and... You all check me out on YouTube. I know we're going to get going to work out these sound issues by next week. And of course, AM nine fifty radio. You can go to wcpt eight twenty dot com or am nine fifty radio dot com to get full audio. But we're talking about what's happening in East Palestine, Ohio. It's not at the top of the corporate media's headlines, but it needs to be at the top of your headlines. We have more than a third of the goods in the United States are moved around by rail car. And we have had, we have a catastrophic event that is occurring, occurring as we speak. Yes, I'm speaking in the active tense. In East Palestine, Ohio. And these, you know, they, the residents have been told, no, just get some bottled water. You're going to be okay. Are you serious right now? (laughs) And where can they go? These are poor people. Poor working people. They don't. Even if they had some place, even if they even if they wanted to go someplace, they can't afford it. So we got to talk about this. Who is culpable? As the Biden administration, as the Department of Justice under this administration is blocking you and me from being able to sue in something like in a, in a case like this, you can't sue the company Northern uh, Norfolk Southern. They can walk away scot free. 
or with very, very little indemnity. It's not right. We're going to talk about that right now. Um, and then at the bottom of the hour, Alderman Roderick Sawyer from the 6th Ward here in Chicago. We have our mayoral race. He's one of the candidates. That's right. On the, on the 28th, you will be, that will be the last day to vote. We're voting early now, and you can vote in your wards, everybody. Please check out um, where you can vote. And call one eight six six hour vote if you have any problems when you get to the polls. Let's get to some of these headlines. In Chicago, 27 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 30 degrees, sunny. The NBA All-Star Weekend. Who you got? The East or the West? Who's going to win? Oh, no, it's going to be great. There are all these other games that are going on around the NBA All-Star Weekend. It's going to be fantastic, everybody. The Bucks were triumphant over the Bulls, 112 to 100. The Wizards won 14. The Timberwolves 106. In the NHL, we're going to have a rare treat. Chicago and Minnesota are playing tonight. Chicago will be playing the Senators and the Stars will be playing the Wild. President Biden, according to the CNN report on Thursday, said his administration still doesn't know exactly, as he put it, what the mysterious objects over North American airspace were, but there's no indication they were tied to China's spy balloon program or surveillance vehicles from other countries. At least three more people have been pulled alive from the rubble of a devastating earthquake. Ten days later, everybody. 248 hours after the February 6th earthquake, people are being pulled from the rubble. Wow, wow, wonderful news. But tragically, 44,000 people have died in the region, according to this CNN report. And the lion's share of the aid has gone to the people of Turkey. What about the people of Syria? They've been impacted too. Let's not forget that, everybody. And, of course, we're talking about the Ohio toxic train, as CNN reports. It's state and federal officials held a news conference yesterday in East Palestine, Ohio, as residents expressed frustration about the response to the train carrying potentially deadly materials that derailed in their town nearly two weeks ago. Not potentially. It is. They are deadly materials, everybody. Deadly, deadly, deadly. And, um... And they're being told that the answer at this moment is to have bottled water. Mm. Everybody, we've been talking about financial freedom, and I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg. Team Hochberg. What will they do? They will help you to buy your home, save your home, sell your home. They've got a wonderful program, Perks at Work. And you need to hear what, what they're able to do. Because if you're selling your home or purchasing a new home and would like to save thousands of, thousands of dollars or make thousands of dollars... Team Hochberg is your partner, and uh, they are your trusted local lender. They're offering everyone this Perks at Works benefit through the end of April, and you need to get in on it, everybody. It can save you thousands of dollars, and next time you buy or sell a home, here's how it works. When a Team Hochberg-affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. That's thousands of dollars, everybody. When a Team Hochberg-affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit gain. Thousands of dollars. Team Hochberg will credit their loan origination fee, and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. Thousands of dollars that could go to you, everybody. A couple saved close to $9,000 by being involved in this Perks at Work program, and it could be yours. When they sold their home and purchased a new home, all of these fees added up to nearly $9,000. What about you? It could be you to learn how to save thousands of dollars. How to make thousands of dollars. Please call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit them at 56 david 
dot com five six david dot com that's eight five 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 six three two eight four three or five six david dot com they are your equal housing lender let's talk about what's happening in east palestine ohio we've been hearing from uh former ohio state senator nina turner yes that nina turner of course she's on the young turks at four o'clock eastern time three p.m central standard time today and you can go to unbossed uh, Nina on YouTube, so you can hear her great show. And we've got attorney C.K. Hoffler, legal analyst on Court TV. You see her on MSNBC, ABC, breaking down the great cases of the day. She's the chair of Rainbow Push, the former president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association in the world. Indeed, one of our leading lawyers in the country, brilliant author and essayist and critic, uh, attorney Mark Fancher, who's with us today. But let me pivot to you. You've been holding for a minute. Attorney Robert Patillo, what do you make of what's happening in East Palestine, Ohio, and particularly when we hear that the Biden uh, Department of Justice is backing North, Norfolk Southern's bid to block lawsuits? I mean, no one, so no one's at fault here while, while the fire, the chemical fire continues to burn? Well, well, this is par for the course when it comes to this situation with the national rail system. Uh, and, and frankly, this is part of the, the consistent uh, uh, problem in this country with regards to the environment uh, and its effects on uh, on communities. Over a thousand trails derail each year in America. America will test one of the largest rail systems in the world. Over a thousand train derailments per year. This may be the most recent uh, and, and perhaps not even the worst that we've seen in the last decade or so. And so we have to have systemic changes. The reason that Norfolk Southern is uh, so protected is the same reason we saw the rail workers get screwed over um, by the Biden administration, by every administration before that, because the rail system is the most crucial artery for American infrastructure, more so than truckers, more so than air freight. The fact that you can cheaply get goods from the West Coast of the United States to the East Coast in about two days uh, via the American rail system is really what uh, is the logistical backbone of America. And because of that, our politicians are, bent, are, are, are kind of over a barrel when it comes to trying to regulate them. Because they understand that these corporations can shut down the American infrastructure faster than any terrorist group, faster than any foreign adversary. So we're going to need congressional oversight. And as we're seeing more and more conservatives uh, uh, try to make this into a political issue, as if, they, as if they were going to do something about it when they were in office, uh, this is when, uh, uh, what we call the uniparty in action, where you have one political party, in this case the party is the party of the big corporations, uh, that have decided that there is nothing that can be done, that these people are effectively above the law. And when we see the uh, these environmental brownfields around the country, one of my good friends, Daniel Blackman, is uh, an administrator with the EPA now, and uh, we we've and, uh, working with them and working through some of the uh, toxic uh, uh, environmental decay that they've started building, uh, they build black communities around. And the fact that we still have some uh, thousands of miles of piping in this country that are lead pipes, that much of our rail system was installed um, 50 to 100 years ago, that we have crumbling bridges and infrastructure. And we passed that $1.7 trillion infrastructure bill uh, in 2021. I think most of us would like to see that put into action. Because before we can even clean up the Ohio rail train derailment, there's the Detroit 
train derailment. And uh, we're seeing this around the country. And until we take this seriously as an issue, not a partisan point, you know, uh, J.D. Vance, the senator from Ohio, uh, taking pictures by a river that was polluted uh, to make a point. Well, well, no, we need to have people willing to, instead of taking pictures and photo ops, that you get out there and do the work. And there's a secondary part of this that I think people are not talking about. That the Democratic Party has been pushing so hard uh, to make Pete Buttigieg the next president. Uh, they forgot that he has a job the transportation secretary. And if you had done the same job as Pete Buttigieg with regards to the um, airlines that were and their delays uh, at the end of last year, the train derailments that we're seeing currently, the the traffic jam that we've seen nationwide, then I don't think anybody could have a a, a good claim to maintaining their employment uh, given that record. However, because the Democratic Party has decided they want to sideline Kamala Harris and give the job of the vice president to the transportation secretary. Uh, they've got Pete Buttigieg on all the Sunday shows talking about uh, international policy and the administration position on XYZ instead of having him doing what his job is, which is handling the transportation system. This is all uh, all that traces back to their lack of confidence and their animus towards Kamala Harris and their idea that, well, if we can't have a, uh, a cisgendered uh, straight white male uh, be vice president, we'll just have a, a cisgendered uh, gay white male uh, be effectively vice president by giving him all the roles that would traditionally be done by the vice president, including international trips. There's both the province of the vice president. We've seen the, uh, the transportation secretary going on. So the Biden administration has to really decide who they want to be the point person on these things. Uh, do they want uh, Pete Buttigieg to be the vice president or do they want him to actually do the job as the transportation secretary? No, no, they'll give it to her like they gave her the border. <laughs> the impossible problem. I mean, just, this is just unbelievable because what they're not dealing with is the cor- the corporatization of our government. I mean, Mark Fancher, you can't sue them. There's nothing you could. There's, I mean, it's like wait, I said these people in East Palestine and, and the surrounding areas, they just need to go to D.C. and sit in at the EPA or sit in on, on the mall. That's what they need to do. You absolutely need lit- litigation. You are right. You are right. Attorney C.K. Hoffler, but that's when litigation and demonstration have to be on the on parallel tracks, because that's how we get things done. When these people look out look out of their windows, Mark, they need to see they need to see the American people. They really do. This is this is awful. You're going to tell these people that all well, just get some bottled water. Are you for real right now? Oh, talk to me. What are you seeing in East Palestine? Well, I'm of a mind that it takes more than litigation and demonstrations. Both of those things, both of those methods uh, have fallen under the complete and total control of the very forces which dominate the United States of America. Uh, This is a corporatized country. It always has been. Uh, You know, it is a capitalist country. And any administration uh, that uh, comes into power uh, has to, as its first priority, cater to the whims, the wishes, and the desires, and the interests of the corporate community. That's their job. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're Democrats. It doesn't matter if they're Republicans. So what's needed is not just litigation and demonstrations, but revolution. Uh, you know, there needs to be a fundamental transformation of the very structure of the U.S. before there's any change. And I, I think that what's so offensive about it is, is not just that the Democrats in the form of the Biden administration are weighing in as they are, uh, but it's their style, it's the method of doing it. 
what's at issue here uh, legally is that uh, the state uh, requires that anybody who wants to do business uh, register with them. And if they register with the state uh, and they have license to do business in the state, uh, then they essentially submit to being sued that they give permission to people in that state to sue them uh, for anything that they may may do or not do if it's an, uh, an omission or an error. Uh, but what the the Biden administration is saying, along with the, the, the railroad, is that that's, that's, fun, that's fundamentally inconsistent with governing law. And they have turned things upside down in their position and in their argument. Back in the 19, 19th century, uh, in 1878, the Supreme Court decided a case called Penoyer versus Neff. Every first-year law student learns about it in their civil procedure case, uh, course. And what that case held is that in order for someone to be sued, you had to catch the person you wanted to sue physically present in your state before you could serve them and, and, and have it effect, be effective service. The court came along in 1945 and in a case called International Shoe versus Washington said that that's, that's wrong, that you shouldn't have to do that, uh, that you should instead be governed by, quote, traditional notions of fair play and substantial justice. So that if a defendant or a prospective defendant had, quote, unquote, minimal contacts with the state, then they would submit to jurisdiction. In the argument that the Biden administration Justice Department is making, they completely conflate that. They say that by uh, not allowing uh, suit in this case, uh, that what they're doing is they're violating the notions of international shoe versus Washington, basically saying that it's not fair, uh, that it's not in the interest of substantial justice to allow them to be sued. Well, from whose perspective? I mean, from the perspective of the corporations, well, maybe it may not seem fair that they are able to come into a state, create mass havoc and, and, and contamination and destruction and death. They may think it's not fair. It, they may think it's not just uh, for them to be sued. But certainly from the perspective of the victims of all of their corporate crimes, from the victims of the human rights violations that they're, uh, they're perpetrating, uh, and, and from their greedy pursuit of profits, from their greedy drive uh, to maintain a system which exploits, oppresses, and causes death and destruction, from their perspective, it's very different. Uh, so I think we need to be mindful of the fact, and we need to get clear-eyed about this whole uh, you know, Democrat versus Republican paradigm that we're stuck in. It does not matter if it's a Democrat. It does not matter if it's a Republican. They're all the same. I think Robert put it beautifully, that they're all the same party. They're all, they all have their faces pressed firmly against the rumps of the corporate community, and they're not going to remove them unless the people get together and force them to and transform this system into something very different from what we have. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it's this is a transpartisan issue. These are private corporations, the Democratic and Republican parties. That's one of the things I was shocked when when Reverend ran for president when I found that out. I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me the Democrats and Republicans, these are not government entities? No, they're private corporations that um, that have boards And they are beholden to the corporation to, to corporations. They were completely corporatized in the 80s and the 90s. And look at us. 
look at us. You have these people. It's, it's just heartbreaking. And then, please, I, had, I have an uncle, my Uncle George, who passed away at 20 years ago. And he lived in the south suburbs of Chicago where they have rolling hills. We don't have hills in Chicago. We're in the, we're in the plain states. But those are toxic dumps. And they put grass on top of it. But you see flames shooting out of the ground, CK. Flames shooting out the ground. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. And, and he was living in a cancer cluster. And God rest his soul, he died, along with scores of his neighbors. I'm just, I'm disgusted. And the, the answer is, well, you know, you all are safe. You, you cannot be serious. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I could, I wouldn't go back home. But you know what? Uh, if, you know, if I were living there, but what else can these people do? These people are breaking out in rashes. Their, their animals are dying. Fish are dying. They're like 3,500. So you all went and counted every every, every, every fish. Oh, CK, I'm going to get, give each one of you. Oh, a minute to close. I just, I just, you know, and it's. I'm just so bothered by the fact that the corporate media, they're putting the balloons in the sky over what's happening down here on the ground. CK, one minute. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, this is this is an environmental, a human right, civil right, um, and and I, I would just add moral um, travesty for this country, and we can't sweep it under the rug because if it's happening in this community in Ohio, it's going to happen elsewhere, and by the way, it's happened before. It has to be addressed, and again, I keep pushing litigation. Someone needs to represent these people simply because these people are don't have the resources. This is what many lawyers do, plaintiff's lawyers do. That's number one. Number two, there needs to be a great deal of pressure put on the Biden administration the Department of, it's not just the Department of Transportation. There might be the Department of Homeland Security. There might be a number of departments within the Biden administration that have to be on point with this and have to be made to address this crisis. This is a crisis on the level of Hurricane Katrina, in my impression. When you don't, I'm from originally from upstate New York, Buffalo. You know, we had Love Canal, we had all other, whenever you have plants and assembly plants and, and factories, you're going to have the emission of environmentally dangerous and hazardous emissions. And when they're not addressed, people get cancer. Here we have what we know is happening. What we know is happening to this community and these people, and they can't just go elsewhere. They don't have the resources. So this is a crisis of very significant proportion for the U.S. government, for the Biden administration to address right now. And we need to do it. you got to make them do it. Make them do it. Robert Patillo, one minute. Well, I think that what we have to do is ensure that we are starting to work across party lines the same uh, way that we had to address uh, the water crisis in Flint, that we have to address asbestos and lead in black communities. We have to address many of these in poor white Rust Belt um, uh, areas that are, have been in decay for decades, whose infrastructure are crumbling. And if we can get out of this partisan BS, we can start working together to actually help people. Mm-hmm. And you... Attorney Mark Fancher, one minute. Yes, as I always always say, reject the Democratic Party as fiercely as you reject the Republican Party. Uh, you know, revolution is the only solution. And as all of our grandmamas used to say, God don't like ugly. And capitalism <laughs> is an ugly thing. And corporations are even uglier. You know, I'll add a little bit more to it. And ain't too particular about cute. 
this is awful. <laughs> and you need to pay attention. And you need to call out corporate media for not amplifying this issue. They have us looking up in the sky, everybody. Looking up in the sky. You got Area 51. You got E.T. You know Hollywood and, and, and government are tied to each other. So, okay, we get it. There's other life form out there. Oh, you may or may not believe it. I got you. But you know what? We got something happening right down here on Earth. The people of East Palestine, Ohio, and the surrounding areas, not only are they scared to death, but their animals are dying. They can't drink the water, which means they can't bathe in the water, which means they cannot wash their hands. And on and on and on it goes. And they're being told they can go home. Are you serious? So they can breathe that awful air? Mm-mm. Something's got to happen. Something's got to change. I love you both, everybody. We've got Alderman Roderick Sawyer on with us in just a couple of minutes. I can't wait to speak with him. He's running for mayor, everybody, just like his father, Eugene Sawyer. Love it, love it, love it. Of course, he is building on that wonderful legacy. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Uh, over the next few days, I'm hoping to speak with all of the mayoral candidates, and the person who's kicking all of this off for us is someone for whom I have great affection and love, someone I've known woof, long, long time. Oh, boy, a long, 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 long time. That's right, Alderman Roderick Sawyer. And I cannot introduce you without saying how much admiration, respect, and love we have for your father, the former mayor, Eugene Sawyer, who really, I must say, got a raw deal. Um, oh, indeed. Oh, no, no. One, I mean, people don't realize that one of the most politically educated wards in the country was the ward, was your father's ward. When it yeah. was uncertain... When it was not, it was not a guarantee that Harold Washington was going to win anything. We had to register his voters. Okay, mm-hmm. he stood alone and said, "I support him," which meant he had to buck the entire machine. And the way the machine works in Chicago, they start denying your people services. And if they deny your people yes, services, yeah. mm-hmm. then you lose your office. So he put all that on the line. All that online, and there was no one closer to Harold Washington, and someone who really tried to carry out his mission. He absolutely did, and I think it's important for us to say that. And then along comes his son, with all this wonderful education, a former stockbroker who says, "You know what? I want to serve the city of Chicago." So he becomes alderman, and now he's looking at becoming mayor in Chicago. The alderman from the sixth ward, um, someone who's preeminently qualified to be the mayor. Alderman Roderick Sawyer, it's good to be with you. I just had to say that today. Had to say it. It's just to me, it's very, very. Mm-hmm. important. No, I appreciate you. Say. Thank you for that. And it is, it is important for the city to understand, you know, the legacy of service that we're providing this city. And, and it's just, you know, it's, it's done out of love and done out of a commitment to want to make the city better. And uh, I'm proud to be here. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, how do you make the city better? I mean, because you've got a significant background, not just in business but in finance. And um, 
people are struggling, and yet the city still is still has money. I mean, there are still ways to make money here. I mean, there's, but we need access to contracts. Uh, we need access. You know, once we get the contracts, we need to get paid in a timely fashion so we can pay our workers. Right. I mean, just given your background in finance and in business, what do you see? What do you see the needs of the people are, and and what can the people get from the city, and what can we deliver to the city? In order for us to have a thriving city, we have to be forward thinking and and get ahead of what we're we're talking about. We can do this if if we had a leader that had the intentionality to want to get these things done. Uh, so you're talking about something like me, who's been here my, in my entire life. I know what needs to be done, and and it's really it's not overly complicated. You have to have a leader that just says enough is enough, and this is how we're going to do it. I watched it, you know, through my father. I watched it with Harold Washington. It was just phenomenal. Just someone that just says we're not going to take it any longer. This is how we're going to do things. And you can direct the Department of Procurement to make sure that, you know, things are fair. You can direct all your departments, CDOT, Streets and Sand, uh, others. And it really starts with your Department of Human Resources, the employment part. We, we have to make adjustments to make it more amenable to people to want to work here in the city of Chicago, want to do contracting business with the city of Chicago. We, like you said correctly, we do have money. We have good cash flow. You know, but we need to make it better. And what I mean, we need to get people back out the house. We need them to get engaged and want them to do the things that we expect the world-class cities to do. Uh, but obviously, we want to get the safety part first, you know, get that done. We all, we all talk about that. We know that. So I don't, I don't even want to waste your time talking about that because I think we all want to make the city safer. Mm-hmm. But how to do it, you know, we got to change the mindset of everybody. And when my, my hashtag is Reset Chicago Santita. When I talk about that, that means that I want to reset all of government operations. Government so, operations right now in the city are still stuck in the 19th century. How so? We, we're, and this is how. We, have a, we still have an a automatic system that treats us like many mayors. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't work the way we would, you would want it to work. It worked back in the day when my father was here because there was a different type of system here. But you took away the system, but you never took away... Uh, you kept the same old mechanics in place. That's what I'm saying. You, you took away certain aspects of the of the position that historically people had, and they they were able to do more things. They were able to get people jobs. They were able to get you know uh, city services more directly because they treated us like mini mayors, which is not appropriate. Aldermen or older people, whatever you want to call us, by law, which is the only law that we have on the books, we're legislators. You know, the service portion was a part to just keep people in check over the days back in, you know, early 1900s. It was just keeping people in check. Hey, I get your garbage can, you vote for me. Hey, I get that tree cut down, you vote for me. That should not be the way city services get provided in in, in a world-class city like Chicago because no other city does that. We want to make sure that when someone calls 311, they'll get their service request acknowledged, They'll get updates, and they'll get um, a notice when it's completed, when, it, when it's closed out. That's how the city government should work. That's how every other government in the, in the United States works. They have a separate department, whether you call it public works, whether you call it, you know, every city calls it something different, but they have a dedicated department dealing with the services for Chicagoans, and it's not through their elected officials. It's not through their council members, and it shouldn't be. 
because that breeds contempt, that breeds favoritism, that breeds cronyism, and it's got to stop. And we have to have a delivery system where it finally stops. And that means that we need to open up our charter. And people that don't know what a charter is, that's really just our local constitution. We have not updated our local constitution in decades. What what changes would you make to the local constitution that would make it easier for us to not just <clears throat> live in this city, to do that, business I, in this city? I'll tell you one that's very, very difficult. Yeah, I'll tell you one that's very interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you one that's very interesting. And it, it may not sound, it's not sexy and exciting, but it's very, very important. Do you know there's no definition for alderman in the state statute or the municipal code? Please explain. There, I mean, the job is not defined ever, anywhere. The job is not defined in, in, the, in the, uh, the Illinois Municipal Code, in our municipal code, anywhere in the state statute. That means that aldermen really don't have a defined role. That's one of the main problems with our city government structure right now. Um, we have city government structure that makes no common sense. We have a chief executive that's presiding over our legislative branch, which means the mayor is presiding over the city council. So with the with an, not not with done an not done anywhere else in the country, right? Well, that's what I want you to explain to me. With an undefined right. um, aldermanic role, does that give more power to the mayor? Well, it it it, it makes power confusing, you know, because mm-hmm. now we're you know, and what it does between the local elected official and the residents, it, it breeds a bit of contempt because residents think you can pretty much do anything. You know, they, they they come to you with, you know, and I, I've been here 12 years. They can come to you that their dog is missing, that, uh, you know, that the next door neighbor's water hose is on my side of the grass and I don't like it. I mean, these are real complaints. I'm not talking about, you know, just made up complaints. These are things that people expect their aldermen to do. In addition to, you know, street lights, garbage cans, you know, potholes, et cetera, et cetera. Which we do. I mean, it's, it's but it should not be a local elected official's responsibility. It should be a centralized government responsibility because that way it doesn't breed any any hints of favoritism or cronyism. And and obviously we're known for that. We need to stop that. We need to have a fair delivery system. We need to make sure that people understand how important it is uh, for their services service needs to get met. And it should not be a individualized or local elected's prerogative to do it or not do it. It should be a citywide function. We should have a more robust 311 system that really dives into what our concerns are, our, our neighborhood concerns are, and have them addressed. <clears throat> what we do now is we call 311. You get an SR number, and it doesn't get done. Then you call your alderman and try to get the alderman to see if they can push it up and get it done. So you call in two times for the same service. It's like you said, it's duplicitous and it doesn't make sense. It's inefficient. We need to have a more fit, efficient government if we want to be successful in doing anything. You know, if we want to work on our police department, if we want to work on our, our city departments. Uh, we want to work on all the things, business development. Right now, we're still stuck in a backward system that needs to be changed. And, and I, I want people to understand that because it, it's, a, it's a central core function that affects everything that we do right now let's 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 go let's just run down a checklist i mean because we're both 
Chicago, sure. and I haven't lived here always, mm-hmm. you know, because I went away to college and, and lived away for some right. time. But I went to school here, K through 12. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And, and one of my concerns is the public school system, which I did K through 12. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is possible when when you have the intentionality to, yes. to have top high schools. I mean, okay, you and I came up when you had a Whitney Young, right? And Whitney Young became right. the hottest school in Chicago, but then you also had Lynn Bloom, you had Kenwood, yes, you had CVS, yeah. you had Finger, you had you had you had you had some you had some great South Shore, you had some great neighborhood schools. What about yes. the neighborhood schools? Again, trying to get up to a 21st century school. What we're worried about, you know, and and I sometimes I get it because people you know in Chicago have a certain fascination or affection for their their school for their building we need to have a 21st century approach on how we deal with education that really focuses on the student right now we're focusing on structures and i think that's you know misplaced we're spending far too much money on archaic buildings and on on structures when we should be focusing on what we can do to have all this money this thirty thousand dollar per pupil that we're supposed to be spending how it should be directed toward educating the child and we have equity issues obviously and on the south and west side when i deal with my principals in school i have to talk about social emotional issues legal issues drug addiction prostitution uh murders and they're supposed to keep up with the rest of the students in the system it's it's inequitable i'm not getting the, the resources in my areas and my colleagues aren't getting the resources in their areas that they need to even be on par with the rest of the students in the system you know, when ch- children come to school soiled, when they come to school uh, saying that they were abused or neglected, uh, and they haven't eaten since they were in school yesterday, the day before. Mm-hmm. These are things that we really need to start addressing because these are real problems. And it seems like we, we gloss over them far too often. And we, we just talk about how the students should be doing better in math and better in reading. When we, you know, these students aren't, aren't even sure they're going to live the next day. They cannot even survive. So I mean, so my question is surviving. So we have to do better. Yeah, we but we have to do better in providing that deep uh, all the resources and a fully resourced school. Does that money come from the city, the state, or the federal government? It it comes from the state primarily, and Mm -hmm. and we have to do better with the state. The state's done better. They have changed the formula, but the problem with the city, though, the city is not spending the money as directed by the state. Okay. And again, because we have too many, we have too much overhead. To be honest with you, that we just have too much overhead to really focus down on the individual students at these individual schools. What do you mean, too much overhead? What does that mean? Well, one thing, for example, we um, when we pay property taxes, but a good half of the property taxes go toward public schools, and that's everything—pensions, everything. You know, we also pay income tax. When we pay income tax, we pay the pension system of every other school system in the state. So p- citizens of Chicago pay for every, every you know, towards every other school system in the state, and but we don't pay for ours in our income tax system. Our pension, our teacher pension fund should be merged with the state pension fund, and that would save us quite a bit of money. And and with the economies of scale, we can still shore up that pension. Um, in its entire, I mean, we can show up the entire state pension system at one time, as opposed to dealing with uh, 103 different um, pension fun- uh, systems. 
everybody else is in the state pensions fund except for us. Why are we not in the same system? What's the, because what's you know because we're Chicago. Uh, historically, we've been Chicago. And, you know, we we felt that we should we could do it better ourselves, and that's not the case anymore. We're talking with Alderman Roderick Sawyer from the Sixth Ward, candidate for mayor. Um, many of you don't know that he has an extensive background in finance. In finance, he's a former stockbroker. Um, and he's a lawyer, and so he has been able to. He really does understand. Um, mm-hmm. Really, have the money and how the money works. One of, one of the ideas that's been put before us is taxing the transactions at the Merck, at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade, um, where Congressman Jonathan Jackson worked for a time at the Board of Trade. Yeah. Um, you know, because billions of dollars of businesses done <clears throat> on the floor there. But, you it know, is. I mean, I have to pay tax for gum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. Now, this is, I, I proposed this back in 2014. Okay. Um, matter of fact, I, I had some newspaper articles I saw the other day. I was laughing at myself, and I, I looked at these. And I had a resolution out back in, also in 2014, regarding the financial transaction tax. I immediately got calls from all sorts of individuals from the Board of Trade, the Mercantile Exchange. I had meetings with them, and they were like, uh, Alderman, you know, we can just pop this off in, in like a day. We can move this to Tulsa. You know, just, uh, you know, it, it's something that should be done on a federal level. We should be doing this. And I, and I still think it's something that we could be doing um, or maybe even what's called a pilot program. And pilot stands for payment in lieu of taxes. You know, since there's such a, a beast in the city of Chicago, and, they, and you're right, it's, a lot of transactions occur, a lot of money changes hands. We should find a way where we could get um, a fee and maybe it's a fee in lieu of taxes, like I was just stating, to make sure that they're paying a, a paying something towards the operation of city government. And I think that we just when you force a tax on somebody, some you know they're automatically going to tense up and try mm-hmm. to resist. If you say something different to somebody, but trying to get the same effect, you know you may get a different uh, response. So sometimes it's just the response that you you know, how you talk to people and how you negotiate these things. Kind of make a difference in how you get them done. So I'm thinking more, and this has been in my head for a while, maybe, because they uh, they do this in other cities, but not for not on the financial side, more on the real estate side for not-for-profits. Like in Boston, where they have huge medical centers and colleges mm-hmm. and universities, Harvard and all these, they have pilot programs. They, they, they pay a fee to the city of Boston in lieu of, of real estate taxes. So they negotiated okay. a, a, a structure, and they still get money. So they get money towards the operation of government, uh, without necessarily imposing a tax on them. But it's an obligation that they have to pay, and they do pay it. So I just, and sometimes, just, you know, you just have to look at other places and find out ways that you can negotiate things and do things differently and look outside the box. And you well, can you know, it, it's an, I think that you put it, I think you put it brilliantly. It's an obligation. I mean, you, you come in the city, yeah. you make your money here. But you exactly. you take your money outside the city. That's not helping us. It's not helping us. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I want to. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the other issues, of course, particularly in the aftermath of the killing of Tyree Nichols, and so much mm-hmm. that has happened here. You know, we've we've grown up here. We we get it. We get it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the police, our relationship with the police, and really making things right. I want to get uh, callers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple of callers who've called in. 
they have some comments and or questions because we're closing it on time. Mama D, uh, do you have? I want you to give us give okay, us your comment no, so we can respond to that very quickly. Uh, Hold on, Mama D, I'll let you speak, but I'm just trying to let you know uh, how it's got to go. Okay, Mama D. Hallelujah greeting. Uh, Section 3 of the Reparations for the Birds Torture uh, Survivors Bill uh, came Mm -hmm. with uh, uh, up to $100,000 for each survivor uh, out of the $5.5 million fund. You said on a radio uh, program that the individual did not receive any money. I talked to one of the uh, the recipients, and he said that they did receive money. So, uh, what's your stand you know, on that? Was a few, it was a handful of them that did receive money. I looked into it after we talked, and there was a, uh, quite a few of them that got they got their. Um, you know, it was a handful that did get that money from the reparations, and I was one of the co-sponsors of the Burge torture. Uh, it said, it, uh, said uh, it said all the individuals with a credible claim, and if they ran out of money, yeah, with a credible claim, right? Yes, from the five point five. But what I'm saying is, and you okay. said, else, make you do it. If you are running for mayor and you get to be a mayor, why should people have to make you do anything? Well, you know, Mama D, I can say this, and you should, you, of course, you can speak to this, because, that you know, FDR met with um, A. Philip Randolph, Roy Wilkins, and other black le- leaders going into mm-hmm. the Second World War. Black people were torn Absolutely. and actually did not want to fight in the war because we were getting lynched and we were dealing with segregation and all kinds of insults that were getting us killed. And so they went to the, um, they said, do you want us to fight fascism abroad, but we're going to fight in a segregated army? Are you serious? So he went, so these black leaders went to the White House. FDR said, you know, you're right. And his wife was in his back, too, as was Mary McLeod Bethune. You're absolutely right. He said, now you need to go out and march and make me do it, because that's the way politics works. That's exactly right. And that's exactly right. That's, I, I, couldn't, I could not have said it any better than what you just said, Santita. It's not like I'm saying I'm not going to do my job. It's saying, you know, put the, you know, it, government works both ways. We need the community to get involved as well as the electeds. Everybody needs to have a, a role to play, and, and everybody needs to get involved and do something. So when I say make me do it, I, 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 I harken back to that exact same scenario because I remember reading that as, you know, many years ago. So when I say make me do it, it's just a statement that, that we'd like to say, get involved, help us out. You know, make, you know, that means support us. Make sure that we know that these are the right things that we're doing. You know, we want to be told that either we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction, but we need the community to be involved and say, this is the direction that we need to be going. Matter of fact, this is the direction I'm telling you we should be going. Do that. And that's what people need to do. So we can so get all of it right. Business, not just you, me, everyone. Right. Because you work for us, right? We don't. <laughs> yes, I work for you. I work for the people. That's exactly right. So you want twisted. people to get involved. Yeah. We got that twisted. George, very quickly, I've got about, I've got less than a minute for you for your comment. Okay, very quickly. What are you going to do about the mindset of the Chicago police? The Tribune has a story that they're going to meet with DeSantis in a private event in Elmhurst on Monday. Day on Monday. Like, yeah. Has anything happened in the world view of the Chicago cops since they went crazy in 1968? I mean, how are you going to deal with people who uh, 
don't want to have their meeting with a fascist governor of Florida in the city where there can be demonstrators, and they go out and hide in 90% white Elmhurst. Hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. We do have an issue well, with the you police. Know what? <laughs> you know, the police, the issue with the police right now, and I talk to many, many officers uh, who I, whom I support, the officers feel that they're working in a toxic work environment and, and for a variety of reasons, and, and one of them is, you know, the racist and fascist police officers that are still left on the force. We know it's a small amount, but they're there. And we need to make sure that, uh, again, we have to have a leader that just roots this out and make sure that, sh- that shows that there's no place for racism on the Chicago Police Department. There's no place for anti-Semitism on the police department. There's no place for any uh, anti-social activity on the police department. And if, you, if you're found to be participating in that, you should be removed immediately. I don't care what the union says. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, if we have to fight that, we have to fight that. But you have to finally have someone to take a stand and say, enough is enough. This is where it stops. And we have to start it now. We, we, we cannot start it. You know, we've already too late in starting it. But we have to say now is the time. Let's do it now because it's going to take a while to get everybody that's of that ilk off the police department. Because it's in the culture. I've got a minute. It it's belongs to you. Well, uh, just I want to one first thank you, Santita, for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I just wanted people to know that my candidacy is a candidacy of, of open government, of transparency and vision. Uh, since I'm the proud, well, I am the, the the most current, you know, I have the most current and relevant city government experience out of everybody running, and I have a vision for the city. I know that it doesn't work well because I'm working it the last 12 years. Uh, even though I've been successful in legislation that's been impactful for the city, particularly on police reform, and uh, particularly police reform, that's been my, my wheelhouse of the last several years. Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, we can remove the anxiety from people, that people can start getting out and enjoying the true world-class city that we are, communicating in, uh, with the police, engaging with them so that we can get our, our clearance rates up and making sure that we have a city that you can respect and be proud of. But it takes everybody to get involved. It's not just your leader. It's everyone in order to make it work. So I'm proud to have been here working the last 12 years uh, uh, for, for the city that I love and want to improve. Uh, I want to continue that work as, as, as a chief executive and uh, help me do this, and I will make sure that I work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, uh, for you to make a better Chicago fall. Alderman Roderick Sawyer, everybody, 6th Ward here in Chicago. Vote, vote, vote. Early voting has started. You can now vote in your ward. Please get out and do it. The last day to vote is February 28th, but we're in voting season. Blessings to you, Alderman Sawyer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody get out and vote. See you on Keep Over Live with Reverend Jesse Jackson on Sunday. In the meantime, have a great day. Love you, everybody. God bless you.